It's good to see all of you here this morning. I trust you had a wonderful week. And uh, the Lord has blessed us with very good weather. This is one of the most, my favorite times of the year. Neither too hot nor too cold. Sun shining. And uh, just uh, praising him for his goodness and loving kindness. Indeed, our Lord is great. And this morning, that is exactly what I would like to be speaking to you about. I would like to be speaking to you about our great Lord. The Word of God says, Great is our Lord, and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. In Psalm 147 and verse 5. And then we have the announcement to Mary many years later when the Archangel Gabriel came to her and said regarding the Messiah, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Luke 1.32. So we see just in that verse alone both his deity and his humanity. Because he is the son of the highest and he's also the son of David. Many times we have spoken about how the center of all is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what the scriptures say. It is not what the world says. Today we will talk further about his greatness, his identity, and his coming. I was reading the other day, I forget where exactly, whether it was Facebook, earbook, headbook, legbook, I don't know. It said that they had made some kind of a uh, survey and 52% of Americans do not believe that Jesus is God. Let me tell you, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Okay? And that goes to show you the failure of churches and Christians to proclaim the Word of God. To teach the Word of God. That's why I am committed to teach the Word of God to you when you come here Sunday after Sunday. And Lord willing, soon we'll be able to do more things um, as the Lord allows. But my commitment is to teach the Word of God. Because the Word of God is what we are commanded to speak and tell everybody. This world is in darkness. And the Word of God is light. Because God is light. And if God is light, His Word is light. Amen? So... We are living in a dark world because people have chosen to turn their backs on God and seek other religions or philosophies which lead nowhere. Now, first of all, I would like to speak about the greatness of our Lord. Our Lord, though born in a stable, 
And when I was, I was in Israel, I went to a manger in the fields of Bethlehem. And let me tell you, <coughs> it is nothing more. It's not what you see in a nativity scene with all these lights and beautiful things, which as a matter of fact, most of the nativity scenes are not even biblical. And I'm not trying to be a legalist because the, uh, the Magi, the kings, uh, did not come to the stable, to the manger when he was born. They came later, much later, a couple of years maybe, okay? But the thing is that the manger is one of the darkest things you can see. It's, it's a cave, and there's a, there's a, the manger is made out of stone, and it has like an opening in the center, uh, kind of hollowed out as it were. And they, put, they would put straw there, and that's where the lambs, the ewe lambs, gave birth. Uh, it was dark, and you can see the ceiling of the cave all black because of all the torches and lights in the old times. And uh, very few things really have changed in Bethlehem since the days of Jesus. Now, he was born in a stable. Our Lord is great even through his birth. He was born into King David's family, though he was not born in a palace. But he is a descendant of King David. He is acclaimed by angels and then later by the Magi. Can you imagine these old men coming down, entering the house and seeing this baby or this little child? They bow down and worship him. If he is not God, they committed uh, idolatry. But they knew better. They knew better. They were sages. They were wise men. They knew. And uh, they uh, worship him. And they acclaim him. They even call them, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? He was great in his childhood. Did you ever stop to think about Mary? And what things must, must have been going through her mind? as she saw this exceptional child grow up and uh, growing in wisdom, as the Bible tells us in Luke, growing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. He was great in his adolescence. As a teenager, he was exceptional. When at the age of 12, he was among the Jewish teachers in the temple, listening to their questions and answering their questions. And uh, he did it in a wise manner. He was occupied with his heavenly father's busyness. Why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I must be about my father's business? In other words, that I, I must be around my father's affairs, the things pertaining to the kingdom. See, he had his priorities straight, didn't he? And in the right order, unlike many of us, that we put the things of this life ahead of, of God, ahead of his kingdom. And yet, he still remained submissive to his earthly parents. He was great at the beginning of his public ministry, at his baptism by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. The father affirmed his glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He was great in showing the word of God worthy of all honor by fulfilling it completely. 
and conquering the devil with it during his temptation in the wilderness. Three times he said, it is written. And that's, I think, a great example for us to know the word of God and be able to quote it in key moments of our lives. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Have you hidden the word of God in your heart? Do you open it during the week to read and learn from it? I hope you do. I hope you do. Our Lord is worthy to be imitated. He left us an example that we should walk in his footsteps. And we need to put the word of God, honor the word of God, and obey it, and, and uh, live by it in a manner that is worthy and glorifying to the Lord. His greatness was seen when he calmed the wind and the sea. Again, I've been to Israel six times. And uh, every time we go on the Sea of Galilee, it's either quiet like oil or turbulent. I don't remember the last time. It was kind of turbulent, wasn't it? It was even raining. Right? It was choppy. Well, I've been when it's so bad that you cannot even stand on the boat. Okay? And uh, imagine in the middle of a storm. And those storms happen even to this day. Because the structure, the, the mountains that surround the Sea of Galilee are in such a position that they form mini tornadoes type thing. And they come down on the waters of the sea and, and it's, it's a lake, but it's very violent under a storm. And uh, we know that the disciples who were fishermen, some of them, were scared. Now, fishermen are usually not very scared of a storm in the waters, in the, in the lake. But they were scared. And he was in the back of the ship, sleeping. And they woke him up. And he got up. And he looked around calmly. And he said, peace be still. Now you know, and I know, that after the storm passes... The waves continue for a long time. No lake, no sea calms immediately. Because it was so much so that the disciples, again, who were fishermen, they were experienced men in the water. They said, what manner of man is this that the winds and the waves obey him? Imagine from storm to absolute calm. It's just a split second showed his greatness. He satisfied also the multitudes with bread. Five loaves of bread and two fishes. To feed 5,000 men without counting the women and the children. Now here we have 5,000 men. And in here we have a few men. And for every man just about there is a woman, right? And a whole bunch of kids. Now multiply that and you're going to get a crowd of over 20,000. And he fed them with five loaves of bread and two fishes. And he did that the first time. The second time was seven loaves of bread. And the second time was 4,000 men. And both accounts are in the Gospel of Matthew. So it's not a contradiction of terms at all. It's just two different 
circumstances. And uh, he, uh, he, he satisfied, the, and, and the interesting thing is that even after they all finished eating, they still picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. And he said, pick up all the leftovers, that nothing be lost. So remember that next time you throw food in the garbage. I remember my mom, may she rest in peace, never threw food away unless it went bad. She would tell us, if we complain, you should have been in Greece in 1943 when we were under Hitler's boot and we have nothing to eat. And that's why my mom knew how to preserve and conserve things. Okay? She was a great administrator. And we're grateful, we must be grateful for every morsel of meat, of food that we eat every day. Some, a minister from India many years ago said our country could be fed hundreds of times over with the food that is thrown out in America in one day. Let us be careful of waste. Let us be careful. Okay? The Lord told them to pick up and they picked up seven baskets or twelve baskets of leftovers. See? Um, and not only did he uh, feed the multitudes, but he healed the sick. And he even raised the dead. His teaching was characterized by great authority. He spoke with authority, the Bible tells us in Matthew 7. The people marveled at his teaching, for he spoke with authority, not like the scribes and the Pharisees, who spoke just cold rituals. Just what they saw written on a piece of paper and repeated it. He spoke with authority. In other words, he taught the word of God properly and applied it properly because these religious leaders were misapplying the word of God. And, uh, and not only with authority, but with wisdom. With, with wisdom. Nowadays, it's very hard to find. I talk to people all the time. It is very hard to find a church that really teaches the word of God hear a lot of nonsense from the pulpit, pulpit and from the radios and the TV shows. You got all these opportunists that all they care about is to promote their own fame. I could care less. My motto is he must increase, I must decrease. I don't care about fame. I just want to be faithful. It's not fame that we need to go after. It's faithfulness. Amen? And what about if not too many people follow? That's okay. Remember that most people rejected Jesus. Remember the Apostle Paul died all alone. But they never compromised the word of God. Somebody said there is something worse than an empty church. It's an offended God. Never forget that. He taught with authority, great authority and wisdom. And he was also great in his transfiguration on the mountain when his whole being changed. And uh, Peter, James, and John saw his glory and they saw him speaking with Moses and Elijah, the representative of the law, the Torah, and the representative of the prophets. Even his humiliation, his 
gentleness, his words of grace, his humility and tenderness towards the weak and oppressed revealed his greatness. You know what? In his humiliation, speaking of that humiliation, I was reading last night a book somebody gave me. It's in Spanish. It's called More Than a Rabbi. And it's written by this man who's a historian. He's a theologian and a historian. And he does a wonderful job from a historical point of view about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he proves how he was more than a rabbi. In other words, he's the son of God. And he was talking last night. I was reading in those pages. He was talking about the crucifixion. He says, you see in the paintings that we have of the Lord Jesus on the cross with some kind of a cloth around his loins and, you know, portraying him in a certain way. He said, you know how they crucified him? The Romans crucified the condemned person completely naked with his genitals exposed. Now, you know what a humiliation that is? And that's how he died. He died completely humiliated. And anybody who died on the cross remained a reproach for the rest of their days. People will scatter if they were following him. They would not want... They would not want to have anything to do with him anymore, to associate with the name. What was the difference? The difference is, first of all, he's the son of God. And secondly, he resurrected from the dead. He conquered all that. The cross, the grave, the humiliation. He conquered the world. He conquered Satan. He conquered sin. That's how great he is. That's how great he is. What greatness, what greatness was evident in his victory over death, his resurrection and ascension. Oh, Lord, my God, you are very great. The psalmist tells us in Psalm 104, verse 1. Oh, Lord, my God, you are very great. So we see not only his greatness, but also his identity. The Lord Jesus Christ addressed this question to Philip, one of the twelve, during the Last Supper, who through his request, <clears throat> he said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. <clears throat> Excuse me. Show us the Father, and <clears throat> it is sufficient for us. That made clear how little Philip had understood who the Lord really was during the three years he spent in his company. Imagine, he spent three years in his company, day and night, and he did not really realize who he really was. And it was not the case only with Philip, because the Lord, for whom a thousand years are as one day, and one day as a thousand years uh, designated those few years they spent together he said to Philip have I been so long with you Philip and you still don't know me he who has seen me has seen the father he had finished saying a few chapters earlier I and the father are one and he still did not How much must he, the man from heaven, 
have sensed being a stranger here on earth. How he longed to find some understanding among his beloved disciples. And even his disciples did not understand him fully. No wonder the Bible says that he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was despised and rejected. Rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. For them too, it had been a long time. Three and a half years. Giving them sufficient opportunity to get to know him. Even then, he took advantage of those precious final moments before the cross to acquaint them with his thoughts and explain the glorious relationship with the Father which they themselves were about to enter in. Could he not expect them to know him? Have I been so long with you? Doesn't this word also apply to us today? Maybe the Lord is telling you today, have I been so long with you? You claim you know me? You say you're a believer? Have I been so long with you? <clears throat> so, many, uh, so many of us have, have had the word of God brought before us daily, not just this year, but regularly for years. How many people haven't gone through this church? Sometimes I'm thinking the word of God was of none effect in their lives. One of the saddest things that can happen to any person is to come to hear the word of God and then leave and continue being the same. That's the worst curse, I guess. A, bad, a person can experience because the, the, the gospel the word of God must be a transforming power it is a transforming power but let us be careful that it doesn't happen to us what happened to Israel in the, in the desert it says the word of God came to them but it had no effect because it was not mixed with faith they didn't trust it they believed their own devices not the Lord what he said and so we see so long so long to be able to learn and enter into his thoughts that's why the apostle Paul exhorts the believers in Ephesus to grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ that's what he commands us to do today to grow spiritually in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Is there any growth in your life? Have you seen any change in your life since the day that you claimed you met, you met the Lord Jesus Christ? Is, that, is He the only one that really matters in your life or is your life more important than Him? So many people love their lives unto death. Rather than loving the Lord, their, their God, with all their soul, all their strength, and all their might. Let us think about it. What have we really taken in of what we have read and heard for so long? 
Doesn't the result make us ashamed in many cases? Shouldn't we know more? Shouldn't we know him better? That's why the Apostle Paul could exclaim and say that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto him even unto his death. And who's talking? The Apostle Paul, perhaps the best Christian that ever lived. And his, his desire was to know him. All things I have counted as dung, he says, that I may gain the excellency of the knowledge of Christ my Savior. How precious is he to you? Is he number one in your life? If he is not, you're off base. You're spinning your wheel. And if you have problems, you will continue to have those problems until you really fix that. The Lord must be first in your life. Because that's how he created you. To put him first in your life. That's why he says, if you love mother or father, husband or wife, son or daughter, brother or sister, more than me, you're not worthy of me. How much do you love him today? How important is he? And I must say this today, apparently he's not very important to some people. Because ever since we reopened the church, they have never shown their faces again. And I'm not going to go into the whole, you know, schmear again that I did last week. But I'm, on, I'm just going to say, I'm going to say this to you and I want to keep it alive. Some, for some people, I can understand fear up to a point. But some people are using this as a cloak for their spiritual apathy. Be faithful. What are you afraid of? He's in control. Amen? He's in control. Listen, here we've got unsaved people suing the government. Because enough is enough. I read yesterday that the Restaurant Owners Association is suing the mayor for $2 billion because they're saying enough is enough. They want to open their business. They're hurting. And here you have unsaved people not being afraid. And here you have Christians that are cowering away in their caves. I don't understand that. I don't understand that. Let us put the Lord first in our lives. Let's be careful, yeah, but let's trust him. Let us think about it. Let us redeem the time, for the days are evil. And not waste any more time by get to know him. You ever hear people say, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just killing some time. Don't kill it. Time is precious. Redeem it. Because once it's gone, you can't have it back. So make the most of it. Amen? Are you in agreement with that? So I don't have any, I'm not in any danger to be stoned after the service?
do not waste any more time, but get to know him. Let us say with the Apostle Paul those very words, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Get acquainted with our Lord. Get to know him better. Now, what things did the Lord do for you? First of all, God created you. Amen? That's why it says, Know the Lord. It is He who made you, and not we ourselves. So made us, and now we ourselves. Psalm 100, verse 3. But then, thanks to our first parents, the whole race fell into sin. And we have all sinned. There's none righteous. No difference. No, not one. But God, and God demands, demands retribution for sin. It is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. But God loves you and me. That's why he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ, the son of God, became man. Because he wished to save you. His birth was proclaimed by the angels who declared that to the shepherds there is born to you this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you when we were still sinners or still without strength. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Imagine if God had waited for all of us to get right before he did anything. Where we would have ended up totally lost. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What mercy. What grace. Jesus Christ not only died on the cross for us, but rose from among the dead and now lives in heaven. And he himself testifies in the book of Revelation, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. You know who we worship today? <clears throat> we worship a living Savior. Our God is alive. And he was alive yesterday, and he will be alive tomorrow and throughout eternity. Only by personal faith in Him can you receive the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. That's why the Apostle Paul told the jailer, told the jailer in Philippi, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved in your house. That is the message we need to proclaim today. Believe in the, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Open your mouth and talk. And don't be too concerned about what they're going to think. Amen? Who cares what they think? You speak the truth in love. If they receive it, amen. If they don't receive it, at least your, their blood is not on your hands. And the last thing, but not least, we see the coming of our Lord. You know, he's very near. He's very near. 
Things are happening quite rapidly, aren't they? This week, you, you heard the news? Not only the United Arab Emirates have established relations with Israel, now Bahrain is being friendly, and so is Saudi Arabia. And yesterday, the day before, we found out that Serbia, Kosovo, and Honduras are moving their embassies to Jerusalem. But remember this. When they say, peace, 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 sudden destruction will come upon them. Now, I'm not saying this is happening today or tomorrow. It may, but it's clo close. Do I rejoice that they're making peace? Absolutely. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Amen? Who wants war? I don't. But I still keep my eyes open because the Lord said that. I come as a thief in the night when you least expect it. He may come today. Are you ready? People saying to me, my family, even they say to me, oh, oh Tuaki, they call me. Uncle Alex, you know what? It's, he's so close. And I said, yeah, he is. What are you doing? Are you ready? Are you preparing your children for that? To meet him? Oh, we can listen to the news and Facebook and uh, on the phone and, and TV and cable and this and that and blah, blah, blah. But what are we doing about it? We continue living as nothing is happening, as if nothing is happening? No, there needs to be a change. We need to be alert. I got saved 45 years ago. And somebody was saying, oh, if the Apostle Paul says... Uh, we're living in the last times, in the last times, now we're living in the last minutes. Well, that was 45 years ago. But if that was the last minutes back then, now we are in the last second. Boy, we're getting close. Hmm? If he came back today, are you ready? Think about it. Huh? Look what the Apostle Paul told the Corinthian believers. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be a curse. And that's in the last uh, verse of 1 Corinthians. Uh, in some versions it says, If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema. And that's a Greek word for curse. In Spanish we say anathema, right? And then the following, wa uh, following word is Maran Afa, which is a Hebrew word saying, O Lord, come. And that's the last prayer in the Bible. Revelation 22, the end of the chapter. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Years ago, I used to say, oh, I hope, uh, you know, um, you know uh, more people need to get saved. Like my little grandniece the other day, I told her, you know, we're going to heaven. It's just to be in heaven. Are we going to be able to have children? No. Oh, I want to have children. And I said, well, come down. He's not, he hasn't come yet. Huh? And my niece says, I, I tried to stop you from saying that. Why? That's the truth. Huh? Tell them the truth. Talk to people about Santa Claus and you don't talk to them about Jesus coming back. Later for you. Uh, tell them the truth. And she asked me the other day, we went to Astoria the other day, all of us, and she said to me, are we going to have children in heaven? No, but I want to have children. I said, cool it. We're still here. 
but she knows. Now she knows. Okay? We've got to prepare them. And we've got to love his appearing, don't we? Some people say, oh, I want to. I hope it doesn't come before I get married. I don't want him to come yet because so-and-so is not saved. You know what I say? I don't care. I want him to come. Today, yesterday, if possible. I want to be with the Lord. People have had enough opportunities to be saved. Okay? And you know what? Don't worry about it. Because after the rapture, people will continue to get saved during the tribulation. And God knows. God knows. He's not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. Amen? So you keep praying. Praying for your loved ones. You have children that are not saved, grandchildren that are not saved, other relatives that are not saved, friends and neighbors. Keep praying for them. Keep praying for them. The prayer of the righteous man or woman avails much. Keep praying. Don't give up. God is interested in their salvation more than you are. But you love the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mankind has consciously abandoned Christ because people daily compromise and submit to the growing spirit of the Antichrist. Each person makes up one cell of society and because each cell is sick, the whole of society is ailing. Christ is the true and eternal life. Where Christ is absent, there reigns spiritual death. What is absent today, what is absent today from your heart, from the human heart? The Spirit of Christ is absent. And the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 8 that if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. There are absent love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. In other words, what's absent today from the human heart is the fruit of the Spirit. This absence constitutes the essence of man's problem. In order to have a healthy society, the fruits of the Holy Spirit must be produced in men's hearts. This can only happen when one accepts Christ as personal Savior. Today, the knowledge characterizing humanity is the works of the flesh, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of that. Does it sound familiar? That's what's characterizing society today. Of course, these things always characterize mankind, but the prolonged illness began to affect the, the, the make of society and its decay progresses day by day. And that's why we're told in the scriptures, the Apostle Paul says that in the latter times, in the last days, very dangerous times will come because men will be lovers of self, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And isn't that the truth today? People are only about me, 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 me first until that me turns around and kills them. 
The world is very close. Listen to this. The world is very close to its, its last sunset. But those who are united to Christ are getting ready for a sweet dawning with the Lord who is coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Are you one of those united with Jesus? Ask yourself that question. Only you can answer it. Am I one of those who's united with Jesus? Am I one with him?